right, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to the Midnight Snuggie Hour. I'm your host, Sean, and today we got a great show for you. We got a great interview all the way from Australia, smash hit, Joel Bateman. I'm also going to tell you the 30 toys from your childhood that could pay for your retirement. And also, find out what Geico paid a lady for a unfortunate incident. But before we get into that right now, I'd like to thank our sponsors. First, we'd like to thank Schwartzy at Wake and Bake. You can catch him on Twitch every Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. till 10. Uh, we'd also like to thank our good friends at Pro Wrestling Edge, Dan O'Mac, and the guys. You can catch them with new episodes every Tuesday, along with Dan's Edge of the Mind podcast that drops every Wednesday. We'd also like to thank the toughest broad in the business and the mother of all mothers, Randy West and Sew Me the Money. You can catch her every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And we'd also like to thank our friends at uh, Angela Reeser at Violet Femmes Conception. If you're looking for that cool t-shirt, make sure you hit up Violet Femmes Conception on Facebook. And we'd also like to thank Radlock and Monster Lab of Science and Wrestling that you can catch on Twitch every Thursday at 8 p.m. So right now, let me give you the 30 toys right now that are out there from Nostalgia that could pay for your retirement. At number 30, you have the American Girl doll. At number tw- at number 29, you got the old school first I think it, I believe it's the first edition Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Channel 6 van. You can check that out. Uh if you'd like to check out this website, I think if you just go put uh, 30 toys from your childhood that can pay for your retirement, I believe it comes up. Uh, I know we're doing this audio, so you can't really see pictures, so I'm sorry. Uh, number 28, 1959 Barbie. Hmm. If you have uh, any first edition Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone uh, books, those also are on the list, as well as uh, the Playmobil Playmobil Victorian Dollhouse. You also got also if you got uh, original Furbies, Furbies are are in high demand right now. <laughs> this one just says uh. Number 20, comics, the right ones. So I'm guessing anything Marvel or anything close to the first editions. Pushcar Pete. If you have Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels are also in high demand. Any old school video games such as Super Nintendo, uh, it says right now. Getting around old old video games on your hands like RPG, Super Nintendo. The sold listing right now apparently on eBay floats around from about $170 to anything including in the box about $650. Hmm. If you have uh, the Strawberry Shortcake Happy Home Dollhouse. 
That can that goes anywhere right now for about two hundred bucks. Uh Tyrannosaur or uh, Tornado Rex. Tornado Rex is a board game with plastic hitchers trying to get up to the mountain. Then Tornado Rex, a Tasmanian devil who's green for some reason, will rip down the mountain into a spinning top. Hmm. Interesting. You could normally, uh, depending on condition, this goes for about $200. Uh, Let's see what else we got. The empty box that old video games come in. Hmm. Says, sure, this isn't going to net you much, but it said, did you know the right cardboard box for your old school video game could net you about 50 bucks? Hmm. And last but not least on here, we got Garbage Pail Kids cards. Garbage Pail Kids were a hilarious and and crass response respond to more wholesale Cabbage Patch kids in 1980s. At one point, trading cards were made from the franchise and was still still got them lying around. This could net you a hefty hefty sum. Significant the significantly the atom bomb card has been known to go for as much for as much as three thousand dollars. Wow! So if you have a garbage pail kids card, start looking through those because uh, apparently some of those are going to net you. Some pretty good coin. Uh, What else we got in the news? So, Geico, a woman in Missouri, was, was, uh, Geico was, sorry, Geico was ordered to pay a Missouri woman $2.5 million after she contracted an STD in a car. Uh, CNN reports Missouri woman was awarded 2.5 uh, 5.2 million in a settlement for insurance company Geico after contract after contracting a sexually transmitted d- disease from her partner's vehicle which was insured by the company the document shows the woman uh, Jackson County resident said she contracted a Human paravirus, something H- HPV is what it was called. What it's called from her partner, according to the court documents on Tuesday, the Missouri Court of Appeals filed an opinion confirming that the initial count Jackson County Circuit's court uh, arbitration awarded the findings against Geico. In February 2021, the woman anonymously identified in documents as M.O. submitted a petition to Geico directly. She alleged she alleged that her sexual partner neglectedly caused and contributed to cause with HPV by not taking the proper precautions and neglected information or disclosed his diagnosis, according to court documents. And his insurance policy provided the coverage for all her injury losses. 
Ha! Well, <laughs> that's... I guess there's a first time for everything. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we got a special guest on the line. All right, ladies and gentlemen, right now, we got on the line all the way from Australia, the smash hit, Joel Bateman. Joel, thank you for joining us. Uh, good evening, guys. Uh, it, it's always fun. We were just talking about it a little bit off air. The, uh, the time difference is always really oh, yeah. crazy. So uh, I think it's, what, almost 8 a.m. Uh, over there on a Monday morning, and it's 10 p.m. here Monday night. So uh, y'all are on coffee, and uh, I'm on my second <laughs> beer. So uh, cheers. So, Joel, we're going to get into you're coming back to the States here next week from June 23rd till July July 3rd, correct? Give or take, yeah. I think I'd fly out either the third or the fourth. I wanted to see the fireworks, but I'm going to get back to uh, I'm going to get back to you know uh, regular life. It's still waiting for me on the other side, sadly. Yeah, so the real life is <laughs> always gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we get into that, just give a little bit of people that you know introduce yourself to the people that may not be uh, familiar with your work. Um, don't look me up. I'm dog shit. Um, <laughs> I, I saw so you. I thought I, you were great. <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy your stuff. You are wonderful. Thank you very much. You're too kind. Um, I've been wrestling. Uh, I started training in 2001, debuted in 2003 here in Australia. Uh, and I've been wrestling here since 2003. Uh, I did my first death match in 2005. Um, and have, you know, like been trying to fly the death match flag down here as much as I can. Uh, ever since so coming up on 20 years active which is really cool but me and uh, a few other wrestlers down here started deathmatch down on the right at the beginning of the pandemic uh so march 2020 was when we actually started and then of course you know the whole world went to shit for uh, the better part of a year yep <laughs> um and yeah that's largely how we've gotten a lot of our international notoriety is is through dmdu so uh, we obviously run that promotion here in Melbourne, which is in the southeast of Australia. And uh, through our friends with IWTV, it's been really cool um, to kind of show the rest of the world what we do and what we've been working on down here for the past two decades. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen anything that I do, uh, if you feel compelled to look it up, uh, IWTV is going to be your best bet. All the yeah. DMDU shows are right there. Um, and they're a major supporter of us. So it's going to be the best place to start and uh, finish when it comes to what we do. Shout out to IWTV out there. Um, big time. Yes, they're they're wonderful programming. We I watch a lot of their stuff, so very entertaining. Cheap plug for IWTV. <laughs> Growing up, Joel, who was who was your guy in wrestling? Who was your favorite wrestler? Oh, see, that's tough. See, like everybody else, I got into uh, wrestling in the mid-90s. But the thing is, here in Australia, there was only there was two different cable companies. There was uh, Optus Vision and Foxtel. This means nothing to anyone in the United States. But um, Optus Vision carried WCW and Foxtel carried WWF. So depending on what cable company your parents got, you largely depended what wrestling company you were affiliated oh, I to. I get that. Um, through the Attitude Era. So I was a WCW guy. So my guy growing up uh, was Chris Benoit. Uh, I, I, I agree was a Benoit, highly. I was a Benoit guy. I was a um, huge I, Chris Benoit guy. Yeah, I was. I was a huge Benoit guy, and then uh, I had a little circuit, almost like a territory circuit of uh, video stores in my area that I could get to on my push bike uh, and hire tapes. And you know, one would get 
you know, like ECW and one would get like all like the WrestleFest 93. So they'd have tapes that were like four or five years old and one would get, you know, WCW and WWF pay-per-views that were only like six months old. So I'd, I'd go around and hit all these things and just, you know, consume as much wrestling as I could as an adolescent. Were you, were you uh, a tape right trader growing up? Um, I got right towards the end. It was more, uh, mailers, DVDs was my thing. Um, tape trading. Yeah. It was a little bit before me. Um, but Bret Hart became my guy really, really quickly. And then not long after that, I found, uh, right as right around the time I found local independent wrestling here in Melbourne. Um, one of my mentors there showed me FMW and the IWA King with F matches. So as I'm like, my brain is fully forming around wrestling as a whole. Like I got to watch, uh, like I think the last three or four ECW pay-per-views on tape on like a two week delay. So uh, as I discovered hardcore wrestling, I immediately discovered deathmatch wrestling, but like the spectacle deathmatch wrestling, like, so, you know, like my favorite wrestlers are like, uh, when I'm 10 years old, everyone's going to school and going, I like Goldberg. And I'm like, I fucking like Hayabusa and Mr. Ganosuke <laughs> and Terry Funk uh, and Onita, like just confusing the crap out of everybody. Like what? what but, who? Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're like, who? And I'm like, I like this guy. And they're like, what? The weird guy in the mask? No, he doesn't do a jackhammer. It's like, yeah, well, I don't care. He's doing backflips off cages. Um, so that that was uh, my, yeah, kind of. Um, I, I completely wrestling. understand so by the that, time though. I started, to, Yeah, so by the time I started, like, taking bumps and, like, I uh, was getting ready for my first match, I already had, like, a really eclectic view of wrestling. Uh, and that and that's always kind of been the way I've uh, absorbed wrestling. No, I completely understand that. Everybody else was Goldberg and Steve Austin people. I was the Triple H and uh, the underground people were the ones that yeah. I liked. Like the DDP. I was the DDP guy of the group. While everybody else wanted Goldberg. I was the Diamond Dallas Page guy. Anyone ever Benoit. wants to buy me a vintage t-shirt, the only vintage t-shirt I'm still hunting down is the blue DDP one with the hands. Um, you know WCW. what? I wanted that growing up so bad, and at those times, I didn't know you could just order it through, like, the shop Mail zones it, and yeah. stuff like that. So it was like, you wanted to get the shirts, you had to wait till an event came around near you to where you could get the shirt. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted the shirt when I was seven years old. I want it more yeah. now that I'm in my mid thirties. I wonder if eBay's got any of those. eBay has it. That's why I'm saying if anybody else yeah. wants to buy it, because I know how much it costs, and I can't afford that shit. So, going into that, uh, what made you? What what drew you to the art of deathmatch wrestling? Good question. Well, like I said, it, it was a part of, I guess, my, my formative years of pro wrestling. Like, well, as I was still learning, I guess, all the aspects of wrestling, Deathmatch was, like, I'm, I'm watching, like, Cruiserweights on Nitro in, like, the year 2000 and going, oh, that's kind of cool, watching, like, Jamie-san and Kaz Hayashi in Three Count doing cool shit, watching Vertebreakers on TV. And then I'll flick on this random tape, and it's, like, exploding Nora Barbwire matches that's going to immediately draw somebody's attention more so. So I, I, I was immediately enthralled with that. Um, but I, I loved, in the beginning, I loved the emotion. I loved the spectacle. You know, it's, an, it's a live action action movie. Um, and then the company I broke in with, uh, PCW here in Australia, um, was doing like a pseudo ECW kind of hardcore fringing on deathmatch style um in like 2001 2002 right after ecw wrapped up so the first live shows i saw like i think the first show i went to had a flaming table 
Do you know what I mean? And the show after that had a thumbtack table and a stairway to hell match. You climb up and pull, pull down a roll of barbed wire. So like, I'm again, as, as a formative young man, I'm seeing all this stuff live. So it was super impressionable and just kind of cemented that this is the stuff I've always, I, I want to do. Like I said, I, I was a Benoit guy growing up. I, I still love technical wrestling. You know, I wanted to be a hard hitting technician. And then I see this shit and I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to throw people off the top of cages and like do exploding barbed wire matches. Like I didn't see a light tube until I was like 15, but that, that was what I wanted to do. I thought that was the coolest shit ever. Um, and then it, it all kind of culminated in a show called carnage. Um, it's 20 year anniversary this year, actually. Uh, and Lobo and Mad Dog, who are both in our war games match this weekend, funnily enough, as it all comes so full circle, um, did a no rope barbed wire Taipei 40,000 reigning thumbtack death match here in Australia. Uh, drew a really good house. Like it was the end of two years of storytelling. It was awesome. Um, I was front row for that. They cut up pieces of a wire after the match and gave it to the audience after the show to kind of prove that it was legit wire. Um, but what happened is the mainstream media here in Victoria got a hold of it and it almost killed the territory completely. Houses wow. went from like 1,200 people to 80 people in like four weeks. Um, so I, I'm abbreviating like a fucking six month story into 40 seconds. But um, again, like I said, like seeing all that stuff live, even though it almost killed the territory, um, cemented my love for that stuff and, and it never went away. It was always something that I kind of wanted to do. And just as I've gotten older and I guess kind of bet on myself more and more, I've, I've leaned more into that as opposed to the stuff that I think I should be doing because it's going to make me, you know, successful or, you know, get signed or anything like that. You know, all the things you go through kind of as a young wrestler, um, I bet on myself more and go, this is the style I want to do. I know I do it well. Uh, and I believe there's a market here that want to see it. Um, so just lent more and more heavily into that as the years went on. Well, yeah, because like the deathmatch scene here, at least the indie scene, during COVID, we didn't have a whole lot we could do, and you know everything was shut down, so you couldn't do shows. So it was kind of the empty arena deathmatch thing, at least you know locally here, that kind of kept all the fans and the wrestlers interactive, and you know kind of kept things going. And me, admittedly. The first death match I ever saw was the Omega versus Moxley match. You know, I was kind of kind of late into the you know. I, the, seen, except for the finish, it was a fucking great death yeah. match. Like, I mean, uh, I do remember the ECW stuff, and I've been trying to go back and watch some of that stuff. It was just at that point wasn't old enough to where you know, even though I was in high school, I didn't have the capability to get the pay per views. I didn't have the money at those times, but then. Yeah. Going to see, uh, seeing Moxley Omega on pay-per-view to f then going to a local promotion and seeing one live, that just kind of, that popped me to where it was like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I've seen this. Now I got to see everything else, what's out there, because now now I'm interested. Like, seeing a deathmatch live as opposed to on TV, that it just, I don't think there's any comparison to it. 100%. The mood in the room changes completely. Like the first time you hear a light tube pop or a big. Oh, yeah. Big I, there's just something about something it that like just that. pops you where you're like, yes. It, it, you know, it's just this huge adrenaline rush and, you know, a little bit of bloodlust as well. Like, for, it goes back to, to that primal thing. You want to see somebody get fucked up. I, uh, it's funny because me and uh, my producer over here, we had both seen the same Deathmatch lives. My brother, who's also a big, you know, fan which is how we kind of connected through wrestling. 
he went to his first GCW show with us back in November. And I'm like, you've never seen a death match live, have you? He goes, nope. I'm like, oh, you're going to see some shit. <laughs> wait, wait till you see this. You think it's exciting on TV? It's GCW, much... was, that the, was that the Takeda Cologne tag? Uh, it was back in November in Detroit. Yeah, that would have been NGI, right? Uh, it was at the Knights of Columbus. Yeah, so the main event was uh, Jimmy Lloyd, G-Raver versus Takeda and Cologne. Yes. And Re- and Re- Rena and Charlie was in the undercard. Yes, yeah, uh, Rena was really good. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie Charlie's really good, too. too. I was actually just watching uh, your match with Charlie from uh, Underground the other day. Yep. Awesome. Uh, we've we've done two for DMDU, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I love wrestling, Charlie. Um. So speaking of Australia and down under, is there a real difference between Australian deathmatch wrestling to American deathmatch wrestling, or is it just pretty much the same thing? Um. There there are differences. There are hundred percent differences. There's um. The big one I found is it's just kind of culturally like here. There's a small but very passionate, I guess, roster of deathmatch people. There, there's maybe 15 or 20 deathmatch wrestlers in the whole country. People you can go, okay, they're deathmatch guys. And that's what they hang their hat on. Um, well, over there, there's like 100. Um, so there's different tiers of deathmatch wrestling. Where here it's really DMDU, and then there's other little fringe companies that'll do like one deathmatch every six months or whatever. Um, so I guess the depth of talent was a big one. Um, but you know, there, there's no real, well, with the exception of Mad Dog, he, he's Mad Dog and Vixen are kind of the two here in Australia who have been going full tilt for 20 years. Um, but you know, like they, we don't have people like, for example, Tank. Like, I got to meet Tank. That was cool as fuck. People like Chuck Stein. People like, you know, DBA, Pondo, Mickey Knuckles. These people are fucking legends. Do you know what I mean? And, like, we don't, we don't necessarily have that depth or that history here yet. Um, so it, it was super cool because the big thing with Australia is we're so fucking isolated. It's a 15-hour flight to LA, 10 hours to Tokyo, and 24 hours to London. Like, you can't get anywhere quick from here. So largely... The deathmatch style that we've developed, we've developed on our own with very little outside influence because we get a smattering of like fly-ins of international stars, but they're all ex-WWE guys. Do you know what I mean? Um, And they'll come over and do indie shows and things like that. Um, What we get occasionally, like for example, we had Jimmy Havoc come over um, in like 2018, 2019. That was cool. You know, he was able to do a bit of deathmatch stuff here and kind of impart a little bit of wisdom um alex cologne just came over for dmdu you know what i mean that was really cool but we largely don't get those guys um to to influence us so we just have to do it like the big thing on my last tour was i was pulling out skinny tubes and scaring the shit out of all the americans (laughs) over here the government put through a mandate in the late 90s where all the big tubes the t12s that y'all use um got ripped out and replaced with skinny tubes so skinny tubes are all we have we don't so we so we don't make a big deal out of it. Skinny tube for us is just a light tube. All right, that's the tube we use. But you know, you bring in the outsiders go, fuck me, these tubes are tiny. Um, do you know what I mean? And then like it means I've got a point of difference when I get to come to the US. Um, so it's just little things like that, but but at its core it's largely the same. You mentioned Mickey Knuckles. I and uh just I was telling you about the first time I saw a death match live. She was actually one of the first death matches I saw was her and uh, 
Randy West was the very, <laughs> the, was the very of, first death match I saw. And I, I would like to go into the whole story, but let's just say it involved going outside and someone may or may not have swung on a tank at one point at this VFW hall. It was it was a great match. If you get a chance, go watch it on uh, IWTV. It's uh, RPW. So, yeah, I, I uh, they, they wrestled on the the same card as I did for Slam in that tournament that I was there for in March. Uh, and and those two go full tilt like they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're they... two of the two of the best in the world. Yes, love them both. So, Joel, mm-hmm. let's get to why we're here. You're coming back to the states. You got some big matches coming up. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm about to, uh, like I said, once this interview finishes, I'm actually dropping a, uh, a t-shirt pre-order, um, which has all the shows listed on the back. And I stopped and I kind of looked at my schedule and what the fuck am I doing? Um, cause I, I don't feel like I've recovered from the last tour yet. Um, so yeah, I land on, hang on, let me bring up a calendar because with the time difference, I always fuck these up. And I go through. I, I'm going to need your help with some of these because I don't. No, have... no, no. So I remember them all, but like I cut this really good promo on Colby Carino for the show on the 24th, and I sent it off to the promoter, and he was like, "It's an amazing promo, but you fucked the date up." And I went, "Oh my god, I haven't had a chance to cut it again, which is really annoying." So I have to do that tomorrow. Um, so I land uh, on the 22nd uh, on the East Coast, which is going to be really cool. So uh, it's yeah, a week from Wednesday, which is it's coming up so fucking fast. Oh, yeah. Um. And then I've got Marcus Mathers presents All I Want, which is a Sean Henderson produce out of the H2O Center. And that uh, one, myself and Cole Radrick. Cole Radrick, yeah. someone that yeah. uh, we're familiar with here in the States. And he's Cole's kind of starting to make a name for himself in GCW right now. And he's I'm, had am- he's had amazing showings. Like he did great with Kelowna Murdoch, uh, TOS. He did brilliant. Him, Drew was fucking sick. Uh, him and John, you know, uh, the month before w- was awesome as well. Uh, everything Cole touches turns to gold. Um, he's leaning into, you know, the, the, um, I guess the influence of his mentor, JC Bailey. Uh, and he's leaning into that and you can see that and, and it's, uh, pretty successful for him. I'm really excited to wrestle him. He is, you know, like the, one of the hottest young deathmatch talents in the U S. Um, we have similar views on pro wrestling, uh, and having spoken to Marcus today, I spoke to Marcus and Sean over the last couple of days. I've got pretty high hopes for that death match. And we pretty much have free reign to do whatever the fuck we want. That's always and a good thing first... to have sometimes. Yeah, right. And, and on top of that, like, it's my first match getting off the plane. I'm not going to be beat up. Uh, I'm going to be feeling good. I'm going to be ready to go. So uh, that one's, again, live. most of these are live on IWTV. So that's going to be absolutely bonkers. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Then the next night, uh, Sean Henderson presents, uh, what is it? I would do anything. Um... I always make the meatloaf joke in my head, and I'm going to try and stop myself before I do it in public. Uh, but I've got Colby Carino. Colby Carino, and, uh, for those who may, is the son of ECW legend Steve Carino. I don't know if you can see, because it's kind of upside down and stuff, but this is what I cut the promo in last week. <laughs> this is one of several retro Steve Carino t-shirts I own. Um, Steve Carino is my favorite wrestler. Um, period. So, and I used to train with him when he used to tour out here in like the mid to late 2000s. So, for me personally, this comes full circle. So, ever since I started watching wrestling, I always wanted to do Carino versus Bateman. 
uh, on the marquee, and you know, I'll, I'll, uh, Colby I, or Steve, I don't really care. I've watched um, uh, Colby on some of the. Uh, I've seen him in e- uh, some of his EC or not ECW, sorry, ICW matches. I also uh, seen him on uh, NWA a couple times. He's yep. very, very good in the ring. Definitely takes after his father. Hand on heart, one of the best junior heavyweights in the world. Um, so he said some really not nice shit about me that I need to respond to, but, um, he, I, I'm very excited for that. That's kind of a, a big bucket list tick for me. Um, and then Saturday, uh, June 25th is a big one. So that's hot. Yeah, in uh, New Jersey. A, a young lady that has kind of, uh, turned the independent wrestling world on its ear right now. Yeah, <laughs> I have to wrestle Casey. Kirk. Casey Kurt. Casey's and and see the thing is Casey's one of my best friends as well. Uh, we we get along really well. We talk all the time. Since this match has been announced, uh, our relationship's been a little fractured. She, she's we know that, she's like, not uh, she's putting you on mute right now. No, like we're <laughs> we're still buddies, but there's this underlying tension that someone's got to lose next weekend. You know what I mean? Um where Casey's on a tear. She's on a hot streak. She's beaten everyone I, she's been put against. I've been while. on she record on Twitter. Danny. She knocked off John. She knocked off Brandon. You know, I was there the night she beat John. It, it was fucking crazy. That's right. Um, I, I've been so, on Twitter. I have stated, and I truly feel Casey is probably in the one of the hottest indie stars right now. I think yeah. out there. So she's had one of the I feel best a runs. Ton of pressure. <laughs> I may have a ton of pressure on this match because ultimately I have to fuck up my best well, you know, one of my best friend's runs. You know, you I gotta do I, what you gotta do though. It's someone's it's the gotta name go up, someone's gotta go down. So and, and again, like Hot Ballroom, I haven't been there. Apparently it's a really special building. Uh, and the crowd is always white hot. So I'm very excited to give that a go. And then, uh, hopefully, by the time this goes out, it will be announced. Uh, Sunday, the 26th, uh, is H2O. So, six effing years. Um, sadly, Dropkick Depression had a show that day uh, that got canceled. I was meant to wrestle Jeff Cannonball. Um, but I'm glad I you told me that, because the... that was the one I had on here that I had queued That's all right, up, yeah. So... They, they quietly, can- they quietly okay. canceled that. And then uh, H2O uh, extended their anniversary show to two days. So I said, hey, look, Matt, I'm free because um, I had a really fun time wrestling Tremont there back in March. Tremont. I... So I said, I said, I said, Matt, I'm free uh, on the Sunday if you'd like to use me. And he said, yeah, uh, please come down and be a part of it. So I, I can't say what my match is yet, but uh, we'll, we'll talk off it, air because I, I have a question. So I will ask it off please, air. Though. You, you can ask it off air, but I, I will say definitely tune in because it's going to be something unique and something I've not done before. Um, and it's going to be really fucking cool. And then the next week is, uh, I'm come back to yeah. Detroit. Um, I absolutely adore Detroit. It's probably my favorite place in the United States. Sorry, Chattanooga. Um, <laughs> but I, I love Detroit. I love the people, uh, you know, D-Max being such a great friend and mentor to me, uh, and all the crew up there, RPW have been amazing. Um, you know, everyone up there is just the fucking best. It's, it's such, it reminds me a lot of home in terms of the culture and, and the DIY attitude. So uh, Friday 1st is the double shot. So we have ICW at 8. Uh, it just got announced the other day, Eric Ryan and myself. Yep. Then that's um, for the uh, American Deathmatch title. Correct? Rematch for the American which, Deathmatch title. Which you are a former for a American Deathmatch champion. So this is you getting going to get your belt back. 
exactly. I have a big cut right fucking here, uh, a big scar that I look at in the morning every day, thanks to Eric Ryan stomping my head through a pile of skinny tubes. Um, so every morning I'm reminded of the fact that Eric Ryan took that belt from me. I only had it for a day. You know, I, I got to live the boyhood dream for 24 hours and Eric took that from me. So, uh, for him, this might be another defense for me. It's everything. And then, um, and well, then at midnight, <laughs> then at midnight, uh, a man that actually we were speaking in Detroit, you, uh, wrestled him in the first round of the murder cup back in March. Uh, the lovable psychopath Tommy Vendetta, you got him in the pit. I fucking love Tommy Vendetta so much. I'm so glad I'm getting to wrestle him now because in three years when he controls the fucking world, he can give me a rub. <laughs> um, he's so, so goddamn good. Um, I, I absolutely adore Tommy. I really, really do. So uh, the fact that we get to have a scrap kind of, you know, in, in a different environment, it, 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 Horror Slammy pushed me to my limit. Uh, and I was better lucky than good on that night. And he's only gotten better. And I've only gotten more tired since then. So um, the the ball is definitely in his court. He has the home court advantage going into that. Uh, and I'm very, very excited to wrestle Tommy again. And then on the Saturday, again, big double shot. Yes, so... another another show. Um, So it's RPW, Inked in Blood, Dead by Dawn 2. Or Inked in Blood yep. 2. Dead by Dawn, sorry. Dead by Dawn. I'm, I'm going to yell that later, but it's okay. Uh, they let you call your shot, and about a month ago or so, you cut a promo, and you called out Neil Diamond Cutter. I t- so, even in March, we, we before the March trip, I'd hooked up with Chris and RPW, and we talked we tried to make it work really, really badly for that first trip. And the dates just wouldn't line up. I couldn't get the extra time off work and to, to make an RPW show. But we, uh, I got to spend a lot of time with Chris um, and, and Dread King Logan and DMAC. Like we went out and had lunch and stuff like that. And, you know, like even, even before setting foot on US soil, RPW have been absolutely incredible to me. Um, we, we just vibe, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't have relationships like that with too many people. So uh, I've got all the time in the world for Chris and nothing but good things to say about him. So when the opportunity came up and it was like, holy shit, we can actually make it work this time. They're like, who do you want? And I stopped and I think about it. I said, like, you're really going to give me this dumb, <laughs> this dumb Australian from the other side of the world. You're going to give me carte blanche to call my shot. That's a terrible idea. I'm going to call out sick Nick Mondo and make you pay $25,000. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? I'll call out somebody silly like that and, and like i said in that promo i cut like that was a shoot i stopped and i went given complete free reign who do i want to wrestle and i stopped and i kind of look at the landscape and I, I you know like i've been watching neil i think the first time i saw neil diamond cut a wrestle i might have been 15 16 and you know like ever since we kind of hooked up and started talking like again neil's one of my best friends but for whatever reason, it's just where there hasn't been the opportunity for us to cross paths and have a scrap. And then I got given carte blanche and I went, all right, if I can have whoever I want, I'm going to pick the person that I may never get a chance to wrestle again. I don't know when, when the, you know, the stars are going to align again. So it had to be Neil. Um, and 
they said yes. So I, I'm. It's one of the matches. It's probably like on par with the Casey match of the one I'm most excited about slash nervous about for this whole trip because Neil means the fucking world to me, and I know he's as motivated as I am to to not only steal the show but push one another to our absolute fucking limits. Um, so that's definitely going to be like a can't miss match. I, and then I'm excited for it. We're going to be in the house for that. So hell ex- yeah, I'm so going we're excited to, to drink beer out of his shoe. So um, we are definitely looking forward to circus this week. And especially that bring, match I'm looking forward to bring clean shoes for fuck's sake. Cause when I make you drink beer out of them, if you wear an old janky shoes, that's all yours. Um, cause I did it to everybody last tour. I'll do it again. Um, and then the last one, yeah, ICW, uh, John Mato. the Duke of Holy Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one for, for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, John's kind of, you know, like his, um, his win loss record for 2022 in ICW isn't, isn't great. So he, he's in must win territory there. But, you know, like it's, it's well documented. I'm stable mates with the guy who just beat him for the GCW title. Like me and Alex Colonna is, you know, tight as ass cheeks. So we're, we're both in the blood fighter stable with Charlie Evans. And, um, you know, like I, I can imagine John's pretty pissed off. And uh, I, if I was John and John with me, I'd be looking to extract some, some lumps out of me on behalf of my stable mate. So there's a lot of different, um, different masters at play here john's also the gatekeeper for icw and beating john wayne murdoch is a huge fucking scalp no matter what what you do um so there's a lot of different uh i guess angles at play going into that one and we're both going to be mashed because we both have giant schedules in those two weeks but the thing i I was going back to what we were talking about the differences between australia and the u.s i get off the plane and do this crazy fucking schedule for two weeks and i get to come home and relax people like john he does the schedule every week He's the Iron Man of Deathmatch Wrestling. Uh, and I truly believe that. And like, he wrestled more matches than most independent people last year. And there were 99% of them were death matches. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one does a schedule like John Wayne Murdoch. Um, and he, he's a fucking cyborg. Like, that, that guy isn't human. Um, so, getting the opportunity to test myself against him, win or lose, it doesn't really matter in my head. Yeah, it'd be great to knock off the Duke, but like just to kind of have that barometer of where I sit in terms of because that's right at the end of my schedule. I'm going to be beat up as fuck. It'll be my fourth match in two days, and it'll be my what? That'll be my eighth match. Yeah, that'll be my eighth match in you know just over a week. Um, I'm going to be fucking destroyed going in. So is John. Um, it's just going to be cool to kind of see you know like where I sit on the on the uh, I guess the John Wayne Murdoch toughness scale. So, in those dates where, like, for circus, you got to wrestle four times in two days, how do you keep yourself up for, I mean, obviously you're a performer, so you're always going to give your 100%, but how do you just mentally keep yourself up for four matches in two days? Ask me after match three. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I haven't done that craziest schedule yet i like the the schedule i did last trip was fucking bad enough but like in australia like we've only had the one death match tournament that was dream last year and that was the only time like i've ever done three death matches in a day 
and that was bad enough. Like I, I fucking had a massive adrenaline dump between the first and second rounds because I opened the show and then went on fifth. So I had about a 90 minute break and it fucked me because my entire body went, okay, we're done for the night. And I'm like, shit, I actually have to get up and go again. Um, I'm going to assume it's going to be like that. So what I did to get through then was a shitload of orange juice and a shitload of sour gummy bears. Um, Shout out to gummy bears. Just, try- <laughs> just right. Just trying to replenish some of the uh, electrolytes and the sugars that I lost um doing that kind of match so that's pretty much where where i'm at um you, I, I love you america but your coffee is garbage um so I'll i don't drink coffee so you're not offending me <laughs> yeah the country as a whole coffee is dog shit um so i'll probably stick to the red bulls uh, and the and the bangs and the monster energies and whatever you've got there so it'll be a combination of energy drinks maybe a cold beer because i forget it's the middle of fucking summer there it's like 40 degrees here at the moment um, oh yeah, so it's gonna be like damn near ninety. What that weekend? Yeah. I'm sure that's gonna play a factor as well. So plenty of water, plenty of orange juice, plenty of gummy bears, and maybe a cold beer if I can slip it in. So we're gonna wrap that. We're getting there to time to wrap this up. But there's one gotta... more date oh, that hasn't been sorry. announced yet. Are we allowed to um, talk about that? I can tell you the date. I can't tell you who I'm wrestling. At okay. least on that. Um, uh, the, so after all that, I fly back to New York, Casanova Valentine's one of my best friends in the wrestling business, Shout new out fair to city in New York, new fair city in New York do really amazing, um, really amazing no ring shows. And they've got the great American trash show on the 3rd of July in Brooklyn, New York. So, uh, as I, it's starting to become a tradition, every time I do a US tour, I get to finish it up, uh, with a no ring show in New York city. So I'll be there on the Sunday. And then, yeah, the plan is that I, uh, sorry, I'll be there on the, yeah, the Sunday. Uh, and the plan is that I fly out on the Monday. So, so before we go, the one, one of the couple final questions I have, who's on the Joel Bateman bucket list that you want to wrestle that you haven't yet? I wrote this at oh, the wow. end of 2021. I wrote this at the end of 2021. <laughs> he, was, on my he was account. prepared. <laughs> But I've ticked off, like, by the end of this tour, I would have ticked off more than half. Um, so I'm doing all right uh, for the start of July. Uh, like, outside of the big ones, like, everyone wants to wrestle Joe Kasai. Everyone wants to wrestle Masashi Takeda. Um, just to kind of test yourself against the best that's really ever done it. Um, the old adage is everyone gets a turn. I really want to wrestle Schlack but I want it to be the right situation because I need to wake up and choose death that morning. Um, so I really want to wrestle, wrestle Schlack. He's a big one. Steve Carino is another one, which is, you know, it, it is kind of that left turn. Um, and Sawyer Wreck at the moment is oh. on a fucking tear. Um, I, I do, I do enjoy me really some Sawyer Wreck. <laughs> as do I. Uh, and Neil had a really good series of matches with her, kind of, yeah, she, yeah, you know, just coming out of the pandemic or it was going into the pandemic. Either way, Neil had some really good matches with her. Uh, I think I could do the same, if not better. So I, I've I've kind of put it in the water splat a few places. I said, give me Sawyer and I'll give you something fucking special. Um, so so they're kind of the, the ones. Uh, yeah, and then obviously, like, all the Japanese talent I, I would love to have around with. Oh, the other one, uh, and again, it goes back to the legend, Madman Pondo. Um, there was a universe in which it was meant to happen the last time I was in Detroit. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Um, so Pondo is up there for me um, as a, an absolute legend of the sport. 
Yeah, but see, and then like I go down the rabbit hole. It'd be cool to wrestle Pondo. Then I go, I really want to fucking wrestle Tank. And, and you know, kind of all these people who who are still going, Mickey Knuckles. I really want to have a scrap with Randy West. Hoodfoot. I really want to wrestle Schwartzy. I think it'd be fucking hilarious. I've got so many ideas. Um, you know, like, and I could go on forever and ever and ever. So, so the bucket list. I take one name out of the bucket and two go in. Uh, at the moment. So g- give me a couple of years to kind of drop the, the level of the bucket. We'll see who's left at the end. I'm glad you mentioned Schwartzy because I'm actually going, after this interview, I'm going to watch his morning show. <laughs> so If he has an uh, interactive chat or anything, yeah, tell him I send my love. I, I will because uh, he, he's a friend of our show and we're a friend of his show. So we, we will definitely uh, pass that along. Joel, let the let the uh community know where can where can we find you on uh social media like i said don't let me help i'm fucking terrible <laughs> um <laughs> uh, on twitter and instagram it's the smash underscore hit uh any potential promoters that would like to bring me in for their wrestling show it's book joel bateman at gmail.com or hit me up on any of my social medias um me and my friends run a little wrestling company down here called deathmatch down under as well uh, DM Down Under on Instagram and Deathmatch Down Under on Twitter, or it's the other way around. Either way, search Deathmatch Down Under, we come up. Um, we have actually on Saturday, our time, which is, fuck, it gets really confusing. It's Monday morning there, so we Saturday here. Yep. Anyway, Saturday night, our time, we announced the Dream Tournament, uh, which is our Deathmatch Tournament that we run every August. Um, we have an American coming over for it. Oh, wow. and it is a. Uh, They've never been to Australia before, so that's pretty exciting. So if you uh, stay tuned to our socials, you'll be the first ones to get the uh, DAG on that one. Ladies and gentlemen, he's coming next weekend to the States. Make sure you get out and check him out. Joel, thanks for coming out and spending some time with us. We appreciate you, and we will see you at Circus, my friend. Thank you guys so much. Can't wait to come back to, uh, to Detroit. We'll talk to you later. Once again, we'd like to thank Joel Bateman for joining us all the way from Australia. Don't forget to catch him in the United States from the 23rd to the 2nd coming up. Uh, just before we go, once again, we'd like to thank our sponsors at the at Wake and Bake. You can always check them out on Twitch, Pro Wrestling Edge, Edge of the Mind Podcast, Show Me the Money, Violent Femmes Conception and the Monster Lab. Thank you guys for joining us today and we will talk to you again soon.